Welcome to you again, those of you who are virtual watch, uh, worshiping with us virtually, for all of you who are worshiping with us here today. Um, I want to go ahead and give you our topic for today. We've been in this series, the Grace Series, and this Grace Series has really, truly been blessing my life. And um, I need to know this morning, has it been a blessing to your life as well? Hallelujah. And so... I want to take I want to take just a little more time to spend in this grace series to really share how abundant God's love is, how much he cares for all of you. And all of you. Today's topic is simply going out on a limb. Going out on a limb. This is a sermon that I preached, wow, over 20 years ago when I pastored the first church that God allowed me to pastor. And this message made an impact on my life at that time. And now some 20 years later, God has led me back through this same topic. I found so much there that I didn't see when I was a younger man. The phrase going out on a limb is a phrase used so often, but what does it actually mean? The Collins Dictionary says that if someone goes out on a limb, they do something they strongly believe in, even though it's risky or extreme and is likely to fail or to be criticized by other people. From what I read, the phrase actually gets its origins from climbing trees. And that is what we are here to talk about today, going out on a limb. Let's take a look at our text in Luke Chapter 19, grab your Bibles, your phones, your tablets, and follow with me. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, is where we're going to be on this morning. Starting at verse 1, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man there named Zacchaeus which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Now the name Zacchaeus, I have to give you this in order for you to fully understand the entire story. The name Zacchaeus means pure. It means innocent or pure one. His name spoke the aspirations that his parents had for him. How many of you parents here today and those of you watching had aspirations for your children. Well, in this time, when they named a child, it spoke those aspirations that they had for that child. So every time they called him Zacchaeus, they were really saying, pure one. Pure one, come home. Pure one, you're such a good son. Pure one, 
do your homework, they would call him by what they were believing God for in their lives. But this man, Zacchaeus, was the polar opposite of the name he was given. He was the chief publican. And we know about the publicans. The publicans were people who were hated by the Jews because they were tax collectors. And it was not just that they were tax collectors, but many of the publicans were dirty. They would do this thing called tax farming where they would charge you more than you actually owed so they could line their pockets with the increase. This man is rich, which meant that he did this often and he did it well. Verse 3 says, though, he sought to see Jesus who he was. And he could not because of the press, because he was of little stature. Now, something in this young man made him want to see Jesus. Listen to me closely. He had obviously heard. He wanted to see him for himself. That's why it is very important that all of us tell as many people as we can about the wonderful things that Jesus has done for us about the change that he has made in our lives, about the difference that he has made in who we are. It is so important that people hear about Jesus because if they hear enough about his goodness, they will want to see who he is for themselves. David Guzik said that perhaps he heard that Jesus accepted people like him. And that was why he wanted to see him so badly. Maybe he heard about Jesus having dinner with the publicans and the sinners. Maybe he heard about the parables that Jesus told about the sheep, about the coins, and about that lad that left. Maybe he heard a word in passing from somebody who was lost and low in sin and that he had redeemed him and accepted him into the family of God. Maybe he heard that and it built up aspirations in him to be accepted as well. But he was prevented from doing so because of the crowds and because of his height. The scripture tells us that he was a short man. He was of little stature. He had big status but he had small stature and a part of who he was in his status was possibly driven by his stature. He might've been a very harsh person and a hard person an aggressive person to compensate for what he lacked in his height. You know how people can be when you have disadvantages, when you have things that don't put you at the same level as maybe someone else perceives them to be, people can be very harsh. The crowds got in his way, but his height was a problem too. Can I say this? I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but crowds are not always good. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know everybody likes crowds, but I want to say that crowds are not always good because sometimes the crowd will keep the people who want 
to get to Jesus from getting to Jesus. Sometimes crowds simply get in the way because not everybody in the crowd wants Jesus. Not everybody who packs our churches, who packs arenas, want Jesus. Not everybody wants Christ. Some people simply want something from Jesus. There were those who were gathered in that crowd that day. I'm sure that all they wanted was something from him, a healing or deliverance or a supply of some kind. But this man was being prevented from getting to Jesus because of a crowd. And as for his height, it placed him at a disadvantage. A disadvantage is simply an unfavorable circumstance or condition that reduces the chances of success. I got to read that again because we're going to talk about disadvantages for just a moment. And I want you to listen very clearly to the definition. A disadvantage is an unfavorable circumstance or condition that reduces the chances of success. What lets us know that a disadvantage does not mean denial is the use of the word reduces. You see, a disadvantage only reduces one's chances of success. It does not cancel their chances of success. Reduces just means to make it smaller, to draw back on it, down on it some, but it does not take that opportunity to be successful away. Not if that person wants it bad enough. You see, everybody, real life, covenant partners, friends, virtual congregation, we can either choose to be overcome by our disadvantages or we can choose to overcome our disadvantages. The choice is up to us. There's not a lot you can do about the cards that you've been dealt, but you can play them to the best of your ability. Just because everything in your life does not line up the way you want it to, it does not mean that you give up you become depressed that you lie down. It just means that you put your head down and you keep pushing towards your destiny. So we can choose today to be overcome by disadvantages, by physical ailments, by financial issues, by what we didn't get when we were growing up. Who was there? Who wasn't there? We can choose to allow that to overcome us or we can make a decision to overcome it. Which one will you choose? Which one will you decide to allow to be your destiny? The choice is not mine to make for you. The choice is yours to make for yourself. Zacchaeus, though, he chose to be an overcomer. 
he made a decision not to allow the disadvantage to decide his destiny. So verse 4 tells us what Zacchaeus did. He ran before and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. You see, Zacchaeus did, Portia, what so many people struggle to do. Sam, he left the crowd behind. Sometimes you got to separate yourself from what's keeping you from seeing him clearly. Sometimes you got to make a decision to leave well-meaning people behind you so that you can get closer to Christ. Oh, my God. See, he made a decision that the crowd and my height are causing me a disadvantage. So I need to find a way to get an advantage. So he ran in front of the crowd and he climbed up in a tree. He literally went out on a limb. He decided that he would find a way to keep his disadvantage from holding him back, to keep the crowds from coming between him and the Christ. He found a way to get beyond what was keeping him from his objective. He refused to let what placed him at a, dis a disadvantage to define him. And he refused to give up. So many people, even here, who are watching, the Lord has put something in your heart to do. It is a lofty thing. And maybe you feel like you have some disadvantages in your life that will keep you from doing what God has put in your heart to do. But I came to encourage you today to not let your disadvantages define you. Don't let a lack of income define you. Don't let a doctor's diagnosis define you. Don't let your haters define you. You have already been predefined. What do I mean? The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And listen to this. No matter what people called him, his name was still pure one. They might have called him everything in the book, but his name was still pure one. See, he did not concern himself with what others thought of him. Very important. He did not make it his business to concern himself with what the crowd was going to think of him because he ran and climbed the tree. A man of his age and wealth climbing up into a tree. You know, I asked Pastor Leslie the question the other day. I don't want you to miss this question. I asked her, honey, if Jesus made himself of no reputation, 
then why do we work so hard on ours? Why do we work so hard to be impressive to people? When Jesus didn't work hard to impress anybody. Huh. I do not mean that we are not people of character and moral fiber, but that we live so much based on the opinions or the perceived opinions of others. Can I add this parenthetically? Sometimes we think people are thinking about us when they're not even thinking about us. And we let what we think that they're thinking about us dictate how we move. But we need to make a decision that like Jesus, we're not worried about how popular we are with people. No, Zacchaeus put all of that aside in order that he might see Jesus. He was not embarrassed to go out on a limb for Jesus. So verse 5 tells us, after Zacchaeus climbed into the tree, Elder Johnson, I want you to catch this. It says, when Jesus came to the place, got to go slow there. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Now the NIV says it just a little bit differently. It says when Jesus reached the spot. Now, now why would it say when Jesus came to the place or when he reached the spot? It sounds like to me that it was a predetermined meeting. When Jesus got to the spot, he looked up and he spoke to Zacchaeus. Y'all will catch it later. Because here's the thing we know. Nothing just happens. Providence, fate, destiny, divine guidance, God's will. Everything that happens, happens for a reason and is allowed by God to happen. This, my friends, was divine destiny that he would be in that place at that time. This is what we call a Kairos moment. The other thing, Jesus knew his name. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Jesus knew Zacchaeus by name. And can I tell you something today? If you don't know it, he knows your name too. Oh, yes, he does. He knew his name even though he had never told it to him. He called him Zacchaeus. He called him by government name, Pure One. Come down. Hurry up. Oh, I got to come to your house. John 10, 1 through 5. It's coming up on your screen. Everybody just listen to it. Starting at verse 1, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth in not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. Listen here. 
and he calleth his own sheep by name. He calleth his own sheep by name <laughs> and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him for they know not the voice of stranger. He calls his sheep by name. Zacchaeus. <laughs> Come down. He calls his sheep by name. Joe, get out of that car. <laughs> he calls his sheep by name. Paul, come here. I want you. He called you by your name. He said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must abide at thy house. What a loaded statement. I must remain. Can't compete with the train. That was a rhyme. I must remain, he said, at thy house. This, my brothers and sisters, is a loaded statement. <laughs> He's saying, I must abide, remain, tarry, continue to be present, live at your house. I want to say this. Can y'all hear me? I want to say this. Jesus was not coming for a visit. He was coming to stay. He says, I've got to come to your house. He wasn't just coming to hang out for a little while. He was coming to stay. So here's verse six. Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received him joyfully. This moment was created in part by the effort that Zacchaeus put in to see Jesus. According to James 2 and 20, faith without works is dead. We must not miss our Kairos moment because we are not in place. So if you can hear me today, I need everybody to shout with me. I will not miss my moment. No, I need you to say it like you believe it. I will not miss my moment. Now I want everybody watching virtually to say it with us here. Are you ready? One. Two, three, I will not miss my moment. I will not allow the difficulties of life to keep me out of place and make me miss my divine appointment. 
I will not allow any disadvantage to keep me out of place and make me miss my moment. This moment had everything to do with the fact that Zacchaeus was not a quitter. Now, once Jesus gets with Zacchaeus, it's the normal thing. Sister Cain, when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was going to be a guest with a man that was a sinner. Now, I'm trying to hurry up, but I have to tell you this. This is very important. There will always be a they. Yeah, there'll always be a day, Lasana, but just don't let them stop you. Yeah, I, I would like to tell you that they will be quiet. I'd like to tell you that they won't be all up in your business. I would like to tell you that they will support you unconditionally. I would like to tell you that they will keep your name out of their mouths. But I'm sorry to report, there will always be a they. Just don't let them stop you. Because here's what I learned. Deep. Jesus never stopped being Jesus because they didn't like it. He never stopped being who he was called to be because of what they had to say. He made it clear at the age of 12, Seaboat, that I must be about my father's business. So let us take inspiration from the words of Paul. I'm glad that the train is slowing down because I don't want you to miss this part. Paul said, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Oh, that's heavy right there. Paul said, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. So in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore fourfold. He didn't stop at seeking. Zacchaeus also repented. And repenting is not just saying that you're sorry, but it's showing that you are sorry. He showed evidence of change in just a moment with Jesus. And so Jesus says to him, this day salvation is come to this house for as much as he is also a son of Abraham. In this statement, Jesus was telling Zacchaeus what and who had come to his house. What had come to his house? Salvation, soteria, deliverance from sin, deliverance from sin's power and deliverance from sin's penalties. Who had come to his house? Jesus, Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. The one who saves came to his house. And so Jesus further clarifies 
his mission. And we close with this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. For all the murmurers, for all those who had a problem with him going to Zacchaeus' house, Jesus clarifies his mission. He says, for the Son of Man, that's his messianic designation, is come to seek and to save that which is lost. Sounds like the shepherd. Sounds like the woman. Sounds like the father. Maybe this is why the NIV say, that says that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. You know what? This whole time we thought that Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus. But the whole time Jesus was looking for Zacchaeus. <laughs> so here's what I learned from this moment, everybody. Never give up. Never give up. His parents called him Zacchaeus, pure one. It may have taken some time and he may have taken some twists and turns, but he got there. This is the reason, parents, I'm not one, but this is the reason why we should never give up on our children. Because sometimes it takes a while, but they get there. Sometimes it takes time to see what God showed you. If you saw something relating to your child, don't you give up. You keep calling them what God showed you. You keep calling them what God told you to call them. Yeah, Zacchaeus took a couple wrong turns. But guess what? In the end, he became that pure one that he was called. I'm going to close by saying that eventually they're going to have to answer to that name. <laughs> Eventually, they're going to answer to that name that God gave them. They will come in. Zacchaeus went out on a limb because he wanted to see the Christ. But Christ came to that limb because he wanted to redeem Zacchaeus. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you for a patient, wonderful people who endure all that you have to endure when you worship outside. For people who are watching virtually from their couches in their homes. I pray that this word penetrated the heart of the hearers and that they pulled something from it and drew something from it today that will transform their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been watching today, and you're not saved, you want to give your life to Christ? Pray this simple prayer with me today, Heavenly Father. I'm sorry for all of the sins that I committed against you. Please forgive me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and that he died on the cross to save me from my sins. Furthermore, I confess and believe, God, that you raised him from the dead. And that he is alive forever, making intercession for the saints. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> if you prayed that prayer today, if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to please text 
to text the word salvation to the number 912-325-9959. Please text the word salvation to the number 912-325-9959. If you do that, you receive a text back with a link. Open that link. You see there at the top of that form information about the decision you made today. And beneath that information, you find a questionnaire. Please fill that out because we would love to give you support in your new life in Christ. God bless you. Welcome to the body of Christ.